Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. What is up, guys? It's episode 98 of Working Class on DeerCast. Here on DeerCast. That's uh, repetitive, redundant, but welcome. If you're not listening or watching on DeerCast, really think you should, especially coming into whitetail season here all around the Midwest, really at the start of this episode. So, Cole, what's up? Howdy. How's you're, it going, man? You're, you're on DeerCast. You use DeerCast. I do a lot. Uh, check it every morning. Get red dots on my knees from uh, doing it. Checking it while I'm on the bathroom. You know. Yes. Um, just an awesome platform. Uh, I do what you do a lot. I overlay a lot of my uh, trail cam photos with it, so I'm always screenshotting stuff in the morning and using that editing software to make it happen in like little files and stuff. So, yeah, I'm on there a lot, dude, for sure. Well, that's good to hear. But I guess what we should start is, who are you and why are you here? Well, my name is Cole Jagger. I don't know why I'm here, but I'm here. Uh, you guys like me enough to toss me up on this platform. Um, we met earlier this year at ATA. I almost killed you in a, in a go-karting accident that we've talked about a few times. Yes. Um, I've uh, been a fan for the show for like, man, a while now. I think my first episode I listened to was like 2017. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I didn't know it was that far back. Yeah. Yeah, I was early stages. You guys were still at your house and, um, you know, it was very, very beginning. But, uh, yeah, man, just been a long-time listener. And I was finally able to meet you guys uh, in Indy for ATA. That's where I live. Um, because of what I do for work, I was able to hook you guys up with the karting passes. Um, I work for an IndyCar team here in Indianapolis called the Arrow McLaren IndyCar team. I'm a mechanic and on the pit crew, and uh, we just finished up our last race, uh, Laguna Seca, last weekend. So now uh, I'm cashing in all my vacation, and it's time to focus on hunting. So um, here we are, getting ready to get the season kicked off. 
That's all true for everybody listening. Uh, <laughs> from him almost killing me to working for Ariel McLaren. You have really one of the cooler gigs I think of anybody I know, uh, obviously outside of the hunting industry. Like, it, And it's way cooler than the hunting industry. But we've ran into people that come through the studio and see like Ariel McLaren merchandise or just the logo on stuff that you've given us. And they're like, you guys are race fans? I'm like, oh, one of our buddies, you know, no big deal on the team. And they're like, what? You know, like that's happened on a couple occasions now. So it's kind of neat. I'm like, yeah, you know, we're not real. We're race fans now because of you. Yeah, man, that's awesome. It's uh, it's a really big fan base in the Midwest, obviously, with the main part of the series being in Indianapolis. But uh, yeah, man, it's it's popular. We're, we're busy all summer. Um, put in the time. Uh, so that way in the off season, we can go run around and chase stuff with our bow. So it's, uh, it's been really, really cool to see how the team I've been a part of. This is, that was the ninth year I've been there. Um, I almost kind of started, uh, on this team about the same time you guys started the podcast mm-hmm. and both have grown like exponentially in the last eight years. So it's been really fun to be one, be a part of this team and watch it grow into what it is today and, and be along the ride with you guys too. So. They're both blossoming beautifully. Well, I appreciate you being a part of our WCB community. but And you also gave us a tour of the Aero McLaren, like your guys' race shop, like where you do everything. We got to see, I mean, I can't talk about probably everything we saw, but everything. We got to see it all. And I real, like, I knew it was a big deal, right? But you go there and you see how everything is handled. You're like, whoa, this is beyond what I thought it was initially when I got in here. But what I love is like you go to your toolbox and there's like WCB stickers and hunting stickers in the middle of this like high end race shop. And it's just regular dudes working in there. You know, you think it'd be like aerospace engineers and stuff. No offense. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, they let us wage brains in there to work on that stuff for sure. Um, but yeah, it's, I'd say it's a lot of racing is very comparable to hunting as, as far as like what you just said, you just didn't really know the intricacies of everything that goes gone. Um, same thing with like, you tell somebody that you bow hunt that has never been into it or knows about it. Right. The first thing they think is, Oh, you just go out in the woods and you just shoot something. Right. Well, yeah. there's so much more that goes into it that it's, you could sit there for hours and explain. That's why you have a podcast about it. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with racing, man. It's just, oh, you just turn laps in a car, right? Well, yes, on the surface, but the amount of work that it takes to get that product out on track is is astronomical. So once you do uh, cross the start finish and first or watch your fletchings get buried behind the shoulder, just all of that hard work uh, and time and energy and money being realized, it really correlates. So yeah. Um, best way i could kind of describe it uh from a surface level kind of point of view of it but it's yeah, a really man. cool way to like lay that out too because that is true you know i can see the similarities when you first said that i'm like in what way but i get it now that makes sense yeah. um yeah man it's uh it's good it's good patience training for both yeah <laughs> they both kind of help feed off each other even to like just the intricacies of how to set up a race car and how little things affect uh, the setup. It's the same thing for, I love wrenching on bows. Um, so it's the same thing, just uh, little tiny details. A lot of them, one individual one probably doesn't matter, but all the little details that combine make a big difference. So yeah, um, it's kind of good to carry that in both, uh, both seasons, you know, racing and hunting. Yeah. That's a good, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I get that. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's just a cool environment to see. And what I like is like you talk about shooting your 
Bo on the road and on like lunch break and stuff like at the shop. Like you, so they let you travel and fly with your stuff for work, or you just do? Oh it? yeah, we have like a support trailer that just is kind of like a junk drawer. You can kind of call it. Um, so like if I want to, there's a cool golf course that I want to go play. I can just throw my my clubs on there. If there's a sweet 3D range or something, we can toss our bows on there. A lot of guys will take uh, bikes and put them on there. Camping equipment. We had a handful of guys that went straight to Colorado uh to backpack for four or five days after we were done in laguna so yeah man and unfortunately we've got a a large bit of acreage out behind the shop that i can get out to like 100 120 yards and shoot and with like a big dirt backstop so there's like six or seven guys that shoot bows at the shop so oh, wow. yeah dude every day at lunch and just go to the back and rip some arrows and just stay fresh with it and we have a scissor lift too that we can actually take out there and practice shooting from elevation so that's uh, <laughs> the perks of a race job for bow yeah. hunting. Oh yeah, and all the carbon fiber, uh, you know, tools you could could think of for cutting arrows and doing layups, and uh, yeah, man, even just specialty one-off stuff. You should see one of the CNC machinists in our shop uh, was making his own stabilizers for a while there. And, like, no kidding. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, he was making them like out of tie and carbon and a bunch of crazy materials. So we kind of get down these rabbit holes of like, oh, we could make this because we've got the tooling to do it at the shop and they don't care if we use it for personal stuff outside of work hours. So see, that's cool, man. Like every well, not every. There's some jobs that just flat out suck and they don't support your passions outside of work or, you know, they might not have the flexibility to like like all right, I don't know. If I'm probably I don't work for deer anymore, so I could probably admit some of this now, but like when I worked at Deer, there was acreage, like because we did testing on farm equipment. So there was like ground there and and marsh grass and all sorts of stuff. And on lunch <laughs> break during shed season, there's deer that live in there. And I instead of sitting at my workbench or in the lunchroom and eating lunch, I would go pick like a sandwich that I could walk and eat, and I would shed hunt every day on lunch break during shed season. Oh, that's sick. I so, didn't know that. Yeah, so like just little perks to the gig that allowed me to get like my deer hunting fix. And yeah. so I, I could never hunt there, of course, but just I'd walk around and just like get some fresh air, even if it was freezing cold out, and eat on the move and find an Did you find some? Yeah, I actually I found not a, not a ton. Um, yeah. The first day I ever went when I first started working there, I remember I was still on probation. I was like, ooh, I don't know if I'm supposed to be doing this, but – no one told me no. And then I kind of asked, it was like vague. They're just like, why not? Like you work here, you have your badge, you can go walk. Cause there is like hiking trails, but they have like a designated path. So it's like on your lunch break, if you wanted to get some exercise, you could go walk. But I was not walking on the trail. Obviously I'm walking through the timber and through like <laughs> where I knew the deer were bedding. Um, right. Yeah. I found a really big, good six point side, um, typical side, like the first day I ever went. And then, I was with a couple of good buddies that I worked with at the time where they found big four and five point sides. Um, but it wasn't like shooting fish in the barrel like I had originally thought it was going to be. But right. uh, I bet you I've pulled three really good sheds off it and probably 15 sheds or more in total um, in the time I worked there. Damn, that's awesome. Yeah. That's but, pretty, that'd be awesome. Hey, I'll go shed hunt at lunch break. That's way, way. Yeah. It's, I mean, we got a little bit of land, but there's only coyotes back there. Yeah, well, it was also, it's less motivating because I can't hunt the deer. It's still cool. I'm not one of those guys. Like, I like to find antlers, right? You know, it was fun to go, 
but it's less uh, motivating to find sheds from deer that I can't hunt. Yeah, for sure. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, but this conversation's naturally going towards like work life hunt balance a little more. Yeah. And I, I think that's good because we're getting into the point where seasons upon us here. There's a lot of family work, life hunt balance, archery practice balance, getting your gear ready, uh, setting your stands, getting your mobile setups. All this is all piling on us really fast. Like I'm to the point now I mowed the grass yesterday and I go, okay, I got one more mow before season. And then I'm going to put my yard into a CRP program and I'll mow again next spring. Like literally I'm going to mow everywhere that I hunt that I can mow one more time. I'll mow my grass one more time and it's in God's hands after that. So I'm counting down the days. Yeah, dude, we're at the doorstep, man. We're getting ready to step through the threshold. How ready do you feel? All that being said, all the stuff piling on, where are you at? I think like, so I didn't have to plan for a wedding this summer, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot more money and time to kind of get ready for this fall. I, man, on a scale of one to 10, I feel like probably like eight and a half, nine. It's pretty I'm, good. I'm pretty stoked. Like I'm ready to go. I've been itching at the bit there. I, it was that last week at the track in California. I was like the day before Christmas, that feeling inside your stomach when you're just like pacing. Cause you like, it's four in the morning and you want to wake up and open your presents, but you can't yet. Yeah. So I'm ready. I'm there. Um, shooting man i've shot so much like i'm you get me inside 100 yards for this mule deer hunt i'm about to go on and i'm i'm real confident uh you know letting one fly in the right situation um i am i'm i did just get a trophy line set up i haven't awesome like got a lot of use through it yet but i'm real stoked on it to like hang my main setup and then just use that to kind of bounce around Mm -hmm. um i haven't set foot in the timber at all uh i really liked there was a guy on the podcast recently that said the best food plot is no pressure john foreman yep yeah i was like man that hits super heavy and i don't have i'm not in a position yet to put any plots or anything on the the farm that i have so just been hanging uh the black gates on field edges and um seeing what i catch coming along Mm -hmm. Uh, couple good ones hopefully they're sticking around I, I did find acorns when i went out there last so i'm betting they're just probably hanging out in the timber so haven't seen them in a little bit but confident that we've got the the foliage to hold them in there so yeah man just ready to start flinging some damn arrows any yeah day now. so obviously you're feeling good you're i think you're ahead of the game now when do you leave for your mule deer hunt uh this friday um so so you'll uh, be my starts the 18th so whatever, backtrack a couple days from there. So it, it, by the time that so I'm looking at my calendar while I'm looking over here, yeah. it's uh, you've been hunting for one day by the time this episode launches. I th- should, should be. So hopefully yeah. you killed already. Yeah, hopefully. Head, headed back home with a big uh, cooler full of meat and money to go spend at the taxidermist. So. That's right. That's right. See, you could cap out that buck when you shoot it and run through Old Barn Taxidermy on your way Oh, home. yeah, that's right. Yeah, I have to stop there on the way back if I get some time. I haven't had a deer done by them yet. I'd, I'd really like to to be in a position to do that now. So well, that's exciting. What What are your goals then for mule deer? Like, do you have any uh, certain goals you're like, you know, in your head? You got some some idea? Yeah, I'm. Uh, first time going out west, doing the spot and stock game. Um, new to it. I obviously, have a 
tremendous amount of resources from you guys and everybody on the team to ask questions and stuff. I am going to an outfitter that Eric and Doug actually have been to a few years back. Mm-hmm. Uh, my cousin was supposed to go with me. Um, I, he's having a kid now, so it's just me. Me and the Tacoma headed out west. Um, but expectation-wise, for me, I just want like a good representation of like a mature animal. Like I don't want I, antler size is cool, but like as long as it's a mature buck, like I really don't care for my first one. As long as uh, I'm not shooting like a two and a half year old like little skinny buck, like I want to be behind something that's mature and, and a decent representation of the species for sure. So yeah, it's just me. I got five days, and he's I'm literally the only ones in camp. I think oh uh, really? Phil Pool and them guys are out there like this week or the last week. Okay. And there's nobody this week. And then it's just me out there. Oh, uh, perfect. Camp. So that I got time to be picky and less distractions from other folks that'll be in camp. So yeah, it's going to be. And less pressure be- overall too on the deer. So you'll be, dude, you know, I think you have a very healthy goal and mindset going into it. Cause that's all you really, you know, without knowing that's a really good goal to set. I, I go in, it's like when I bring it home, if I'm lucky enough to get one, and you look at it on the wall, you want to be like, that's a mule deer. Yes, you know, exactly. Especially next year, you got some great bucks behind you on the wall. You've got whitetail, whitetail, mule deer. Like, oh, yeah, significant difference. I can see what's going on here. Otherwise, yeah. I get it. That's a fair and I think uh, attainable goal. Yeah. I mean, if, if I had to be picky with antler size, I'd say I just want that typical mule deer width, man. I want that big inside spread Mama says she wants a, a real wide buck to go over the bed so the wider the better she said if, if i have to be picky like that but um yeah man i just want to like you said you can look at all three of them and go oh yeah that's pretty obvious that that's a meal okay let's back up a little bit your wife wants a buck over the bed oh yeah she's uh she loves taxidermy thank god she loves deer meat she loves taxidermy so the our little town home we have here is uh pretty much full with with deer heads and uh it's our motivation to ha- run out of rooms so we have to get a house so that's great god what a saint oh she's the best man i i hit the lottery with that for sure batting way out of my league with this one but uh <laughs> dude you know that's a rarity because you know our famous saying is you can't kill big bucks if your wife sucks uh, oh yeah she loves that one see the women who are cool love it yeah exactly the ones who aren't don't love it it's the perfect scale because we get to watch it in action multiple times a year during trade show season so Mm -hmm. when we have our sticker and the shirt set up you can't kill big bucks if your wife sucks i watch couples walk by and look at it and then i'm just focused on the wife's reaction the whole time like okay (laughs) and then if oh i like that then i'm like okay Cool. And a lot of them go, I like that, but you couldn't kill big bucks anyway. And I'm like, oh, jeez, <laughs> man. I, there's a Oof. lot of that. But Oof. a lot of them are like, I don't like that. And I'm like, well, you probably suck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to have both to make it happen, right? You do. You really do. Yeah. She's she's great, man. With how much I'm on the road for racing and then – I mean, for example, I was just gone for 10 days straight. I was in Portland and then went straight to Monterey, California. Uh, flew back on a red eye Sunday, and then I'm home for four days, and then I'm gone for another 10 days. So, And she's 
just as stoked as I am to go on this trip because she knows how much it means to me. So, yeah, man, it, I mean, the sticker's true. Like, you can't do it if your wife sucks for sure. So, and she is the far opposite of sucking. I am way lucky to have her. So, That's she good lets to hear. me spend money and kill deer and, and she won't eat beef, dude. She loves deer meat. You got yourself so a unicorn, man. I, I think, you know, I'd be curious to see if there was a truthful poll th- from listeners of the podcast. Yeah. How it would answer if, like, we scaled these topics, you know, like, does your wife let you have tax during the house? Does your wife let you go on trips and, and not make you feel guilty for going? Not nag yeah. you every day. When are you going to be home? Because that makes you not want to be there. That's annoying. Dude, that's, yes. That's like the biggest thing right is just even when you're gone like her keeping your head in the game because you're already thinking it like yeah five six days into the trip yeah you're you know, bumming out couch with the mountain dew and a thing of wings watching football watching <laughs> right. her walking around naked but here i am my cameras are going yeah. off i'm sorry i had to look because they were it was going off Good. so much it was distracting nothing worth writing home about but oh yeah those black gates are great man I'm super, super happy with mine. I like them, man. I like them a lot. Um, but what I was getting at is like if we took all them topics out in, in like an honest poll and had husbands answer them or re- guys in a relationship answer it, like what would it show? What like yeah. statistics would it reveal? Like what would we learn from it? You know, there's got to be a correlation between like antler size. And uh, coolness of wife. That's got it. There's <laughs> the uh, the the crazy hot chart or whatever yeah, it is. There's yeah, a scale. Dude. We could make one for whitetail like wives for sure. We need to get on that fast. That needs yeah. watch. There'll be an internet video, real or video, and you've heard it here first. <laughs> we claim trademark. that. So trademark. trademark. So, uh, but yeah, like there has to be kind of right. Like obviously, Austin Chandler's wife is awesome. Because yeah. of like you see how much time he's allowed <laughs> to put into his hunting and the big bucks he kills, right? Like that's yeah. There you go. She, she calls him daddy, dude. That's a big deal. <laughs> I tell my wife, I'm like, how come you don't call me daddy in front of my friends? It make me feel like, really uh, good. Trying to shoot like a 180s. <laughs> yeah, on. yeah. Let me hit 180, babe. Just take <laughs> one for the team, you know. Um, and, and my wife is awesome too. Obviously, like from what I get to do and opportunities i've had it would not have rolled out the same if it wasn't for how cool my wife is because um that's that's a lot of a lot of things that people don't realize too you know like you know working full-time in the hunting industry now is, is a newer thing for me um but it's easy to be like when i worked at john deere and i had to travel it'd be easy for me to go away for four or five weeks and it was almost no question that i was gone because i had to be there yeah. So it's like, well, what do you want me to do? Like, I ha- I'm I have to travel for this job. I have to be in Idaho doing wheat harvest or whatever for testing. But if I want to go on a two week hunting trip, which is part of my job now, she mm-hmm. gets that. Right. But I don't know if most wives across the board in my unique situation would understand it the same. It might be easier for them to complain that I'm gone when I'm doing it for my own self-employed type career rather than John Deere telling me I had to go. Right. Does, yeah. If that makes sense, you know, oh, for sure. For sure. It's just like acceptance of lifestyle in general. Right? Yeah. Like, that's the biggest part, right? Yeah. And, and same with her, like, 
this is going to add a whole new dynamic. We're trying for kids this year. And then next hunting season, obviously, is going to add another dynamic to the family hunting work balance. So this was like our last year um, of like truly just having to keep ourselves alive. So I told her when I was gone all year, I was like, dude, go to concerts, like do whatever. She's been to, man, like like eight or nine concerts this year. And I don't care. She's always asking me, like, are you sure I can go on this? I was like, babe, you do you. I'm going to do me. And we're just like going to support each other and enjoy each other. Because, yeah, you're. I mean, most of the time when you're like, oh, I just want you to be home and do all this stuff. You're like, okay, guys will do that. And then you just end up sitting on your phone in front of the TV and not really having any personal time anyway. So it's like, yeah. You might as well get out and enjoy yourselves while you can. And then we're going to be so busy with kids. We're not going to be able to sit there and do nothing on our phones. So, well, that's true. I think you have a great mindset with that. And like that adds another element into like the hunting life balance, you know, and like deer cast plays a big part in all this because once yeah. you have kids or uh, maybe a struggling relationship because you're trying to hunt and your wife sucks, um, <laughs> <laughs> just, to, uh, you know, it tells you when you can and can't hunt or when you should, you know, that's a bad way to put it. It tells you maybe where you should put your effort and then not put it. You can yeah. kind of feel better about taking some days off to spoil your old lady for a couple of days during the week to make her happy. Cause you know, there's a cold front coming from your deer cast predictions Thursday through Sunday. And you're probably going to cut out of work a little early if you can. And you might blow her off all weekend, but you took care of her early in the week. Cause you kind of knew where you could throttle on throttle off. Like, there's a play there somewhere, you know, like, uh, it's, oh, yeah. it's a tough, it's tough, dude. It's, but like you add kids to that. I made sure, honestly, my kids were born around hunting season, like yeah. May and July. Yep. Yep. So that's my advice right there. If you can kind of see what I'm saying. I know I, we want to, we're, we're, tr we were trying to time it. So I wouldn't be like on the West coast or racing somewhere and like, crap i have to be back for this so we were almost trying to plan for a fall kid but at this point um after a few tries i've realized there is no it's hard to time it and plan it <laughs> as i'm discovering i'm very fortunate that i kind of well you know it's luck but I, if you can help it but you know also too it, it would just kind of and, and this sounds negative like someone's gonna clip this and be like kurt hates children and and maybe i do <laughs> But I'm kidding. I don't. But uh, like you know, if you if your kid was born November fifth, okay, yeah, it, it screws you for several years on November fifth. But oh, what what happens as your kid gets older? If they're into deer hunting, they're born the best time of year. You know, how fun yeah. that is for them if they love hunting after that. Yeah, you're right. It would be kind of a catch twenty two situation there, where it would suck for a little bit and it'd be awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Hopefully they like hunting. Yeah. I it's scary. That's a scary that's a whole nother podcast, but Yeah, for sure. But for dude, sure. you know, it's just like I I love that conversation because I even though we do cover it a lot, we maybe need to add it more often. It's like how you balance work, life, family, children, other obligations, weddings, birthday party, all the stuff. My simple answer is I don't do any of them during hunting season and you can call me whatever you want. I just don't. Um, my pers ever since I started working full-time jobs out of high school, my motto was I'll never let a job tell me I can't go hunting. Yeah, dude. And that's, I'm very, I'm the exact same way. 
especially around fall. Um, it's I'm really lucky, like I said, with my job in the time frame that I do have off. They they give us like so the shop is closed for like a month straight, uh, but it's broke up into like different weeks. Like I have this week off, I have a week at Thanksgiving and two at Christmas, and Very then cool. I have 28 days of my choice. Oh so, really? I literally. I'm going to work one day in November, I think, and then maybe a handful of days in October. Um, so just time frame wise, like being able to break away and like do what I want to do. Like I have set that up to where it makes it pretty manageable for me. But uh, yeah, dude, it's that's cool. Regardless of what your plans are in the fall, I know what mine are. And all 28 of those days, I'm going to be in a tree. So, <laughs> so let me ask you this. Do you feel like in that 28 days, you will work harder for hunting than you do at your job? That might get you in trouble, so uh, careful. Uh, yeah, and that's what's crazy is, like, I never really get time to relax, I guess. I, I may be around Christmas a little bit if I fulfilled the tag already in November. But, yeah, man, I'm working just as hard as – winning races i am trying to kill deer so they're both uh both takes a lot of time energy and and work for sure so yeah you're right man you're just running yourself ragged i, I hope it ha happens like late october early november so then i can kind of like relax a little bit if i want to go hunt another state i can it's not like a lot of pressure i'm hoping with being able to arrow a good buck next week and then i that'll kind of scratch the itch a little bit yeah uh, rolling into november so never killed one outside of november Actually, I've killed really? those, and stuff, but yeah, yeah, maybe that'll scratch you a little bit before we get to that point. For sure. Well, well, the reason why I like Western hunts coming back before like the Midwestern season, you know, traditionally kicks off, you kind of like the cobwebs get knocked out. Like you come back in the groove. So mm -hmm. like you come back in the groove with a home court advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Like you, you're already warmed up. You know, right. like your ring rust is gone. You're, you're in there. You're, you're, you're loose. Your shoulders are feeling good. Especially if you shot something already, you're like, yeah, man, I'm thinking clearly, you know, like you, but what I noticed the first couple of years after I went out West and came back and you're sitting in a tree stand, it's hard to sit those first like five sits until you get back into yeah. sitting. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I've been afraid of, man. Honestly, I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, that trophy line set will kind of help that a little bit to where you don't feel quite as locked into where you're at. I mean, I don't really with my, my Novix as much, but definitely way more freedom with that, um, that trophy line system. But yeah, I, I could definitely see that. I've heard you guys talk about that. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how that feels for me once I do get back. Well, I'd to get an update from you and see how that felt, because yeah. I feel like a lot of guys will tend to a lot of Midwestern guys and Eastern States will tend to lean more into catering towards the Western hunting where it's like, that's all they think about. And then whitetails all of a sudden take a back seat. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think you'll be one of those guys like what, predicting? Where do you think you'll fall with that? I don't know. I, I think it'll be kind of 50, 50, man. Like I don't, I don't see myself falling out of love with the whitetail game just from going and doing that. I feel like I'll be more like Devin where any hunt I'm on is like the greatest hunt ever. Yeah. I just yeah. Stoked to just go do it. So I don't know. I could be wrong. We'll see. But, uh, I'm man, I hope it. I hope it doesn't. Cause dang, I like sitting in a tree stand. So we'll see it, if it, it won't. And from my perspective, it won't. I, this might, and I've talked about this a little bit and it might be hard for people to understand, but 
the more hunts I do outside of whitetail country, the more I'm like into whitetails when I get back. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. Honestly, there's a reason probably, but I can't fully pinpoint it. I have some speculation on it. But, yeah, but I like I don't know, dude. I think it's just getting older. I love whitetails. I've always loved them, but I love them more. Dude, it's just like that comforting. You just, I don't, you just can't beat it. I just swept my my butt off all summer outside. That when that first like you know October cold front rolls in, the leaves start changing, football's back on. Like I I don't know. It'll be it's just hard to beat that excitement no matter where I go. Yeah, and um, I, I, you know, you think it's age? Do you think it's our age? Do you think it's like the smells? Do you think it's the, you think that's oh yeah. what it is? It's like it's home. Uh huh, for sure. It's just like that comforting, like makes you feel like you're a little kid again when you're like stoked going out for the first few times and like just having no idea what to expect. But yeah, now you know what to expect, and it still gives you that same homey feeling. That's probably it. You know, that might be that might answered my question really with that. Okay. Yeah. Talking about that, let me ask you this. How how long have you been hunting? Like what you how old Man, are you? so this is kind of a weird like so my dad used to bow hunt a lot when I was younger and he'd take me with him and stuff. Uh just like standing in between his legs. And then he passed when I was younger. My uh Mom ended up moving us a little bit closer into this town called Fort Wayne. It's in Northeast Indiana. Mm -hmm. A lot like you, dude, I fell into like extreme sports. Like I skateboarded for a long time, all through high school, middle school. And like maybe opening day of shotgun, I'd go out to my grandparents' farm with my cousin and sit a couple times, but I never really had the, the money to do it. So once I finally got this job in 2015, um, there was a handful of guys that bow hunted in the shop and that's what kind of like, okay, like I have money, like I've kind of done this a little bit. I have property to do it. And, uh, it just kind of went from there. Um, so I'd say like truly like bow hunting focused, like this is all I'm doing. It's been probably since the fall of 2015. So how many years that is, uh, yeah, eight, nine, eight or nine. Yeah. Very cool. So, yeah. So you've, you've been around hunting, um, especially when your old man did it and stuff like that. Sorry to hear about your old man. Um, but okay. I, I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, someone actually posted the working class bow hunter group, uh, bow hunters group, the old school tree stands. And there's certain things I think guys see that bring them. Uh Oh, are we lagging? Or are we good? I think we're good. Gucci. My computer's oh, yeah. like, what's going on? Um, there are certain things you see when you that bring you back when you're a kid or like <laughs> the beginning stages of hunting. And I have several things that probably do that for me. But I wanted to ask that question kind of vaguely. But like mm -hmm. when you see something or hear about something, what brings you back to the beginning of your hunting? Whether it was when you were a kid or the fall of 2015. Like what's something you think about the early days of your hunting? There's no right um, or wrong answer. A couple things. One goofy one is the smell of those like earth wafers. That's like the number one answer, I think. Dude, I used to just douse everything I had in it. Just like you'd open it and just be like, burn your eyebrows <laughs> off. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other one is just, man, and I've noticed this too. Like I grew up 
I started bow hunting on my grandparents' farm, got permission on my, my wife's grandparents' farm the last few years. And for me, it's like running into old, old tree stands that are like grown into the trees and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, and there's, I found most of them that my dad had on this farm, but I'm, I'm still finding them. And it's always crazy to me because I'll always be looking on like Onyx or I'll see like, man, a buck has been like, going through that draw like four or five times and then I'll go set up my Novix and then I look over and then there's one of my dad's old like hang-ons like barely in a tree still or it was like a two by six stand that he hammered in there and that's seeing cool. those just brings me back to like when I was like standing in between his legs when he had like one of those old gale force like 70 pound loud as hell bows <laughs> yeah but the cool thing is every time I end up sitting in one of those spots like I end up killing a good deer like it's like he's kind of like here's where you should go even though he's not there he's like guiding is, you subconsciously yeah dude it's really eerie man and it's even been to where like i've shot one and then like looked around like in excitement and then see one and it's like holy cow like that's yeah that that's uh that really brings it back for me because like the wow. house i grew up in was an old farmhouse and me and my dad would just walk like a couple hundred yards to the edge of the timber and sit there and you can still see them all around, man. So that and those wafers, yeah, that that brings me back, dude. I could, I could definitely, uh, definitely enjoy seeing that through the woods. That's heavy. Yeah, but cool, yeah. man. That that is cool. Whenever you see them old stands, now I didn't expect you to say they were your old man stands, like because we yeah. all see them. You know what I mean? You look around, you see old boards nailed between a split in a tree or whatever, and mm -hmm. and you think about, it, you're always like, man, I wonder who's that was. But for it to be your dad's is cool. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome, man. Uh, I love hunting that farm. It's it's mostly ag. It's a little bit of timber, but it's awesome timber that we have. So um, it's real cool. And then same at Beth's grandpa's, like there's an older gentleman that used to muzzleloader hunt out there. And same thing, man. I was kind of green to the property and sat a few spots. And then I was like, well, we'll see if this works. It works with my dad. Let's sit by these guys' old stand. And yeah, I've killed a couple good deer doing that out at that farm. So that's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. The days of nailing wood to trees. Oh, dude. Railroad spikes in the side of the tree for, you know. So dangerous. Climb up. Oh, dude, so sketchy. You look at some of those, it's like, yeah. I don't even know how you moved around without getting spotted or picked off because they're just so creaky and old and rickety. And, and, and back then, guaranteed, they didn't have any safety harnesses at all. Oh, no, dude. Not at all. You know? You know, and I the first stand I ever, I actually, my first year shotgun hunting, I was, I don't know, maybe 12. I don't remember how old, young. My dad made us put a piece of plywood in the V of a tree and, like, screwed it down, and that's what we hunted yeah. out of. And, like, I shot a buck and, like, just grazed his belly, and uh, the deer lived. But I yeah. just, you know, I sat in a homemade stand. I'd never even think about doing that now. Not, not with the resources available, but. Um, yeah. Man, it's cool. stuff you used to do when you were younger just to make it happen because you didn't have the money, right? It, uh, it's, same thing. Yeah, <laughs> or, or just you didn't have the know-how. The, the resources yeah. weren't there. And that's what, that is cool, man. Like, that's a good answer. Just them old nostalgia-type tree stands. Like, you wonder when you see those, like, what was shot out of that stand, if anything? Like, was that dude just an idiot who put one there and then, like, you're then he's got us all decoyed. We're all hanging in the stand in this bad oh, yeah. spot. But <laughs> but think about the effort it took to get bring the wood out there, 
put it in the tree. You had you had to make sure it was a good spot. Yeah. Yeah, like, and how many times did you sit on the ground there before you finally were like, man, I'm going to put a stand right here and, like, yeah. dedicate time to do it. And, yeah, it's a lot of commitment. Now we can just toss them up in, like, 10 minutes and tear them down in 10 minutes. <laughs> right. It, it's another one of those impossible answers. But, like, if you could pull it, what percent of those old wood stands were, like, successful sits? You know what I mean? If you could scale that. Man, on my farm or just in general? In general. Like across the Midwest or wh- wherever those are. Man. Like, is it 50%? Is it's it 30%? Be above 50. You like, think? I don't know. I guess it's situational. But I'd argue less. I'd argue it's less than 50. Yeah. They don't have deer cast or they didn't have deer cast. <laughs> they didn't have deer cast. And they probably didn't have even have trail timers at the time. Remember, do you yep. ever hear guys talk oh, about the dude. trail timer? Yeah, where it would like click a little string and tell you what time something walked by the string. Yeah, or pulled it out of the uh, device. Yeah, yeah those are wild. You have it could be a raccoon. You don't know. Yeah, yeah, those are wild, man. <laughs> I don't, I like thinking about that stuff. The earth wafers is like one of those things I think of, you know, the earth, like the, it's like, I think it's like the hunter specialties. It comes in that little container thing. Yeah. And you like pin it to your hat or whatever. They're like the sound of an aluminum arrow on an old rest that like, mm. you know, I'm talking about that noise of those old. Yeah. Bows. The old like V rest that <laughs> just sat on top. Yeah. Like a target archery, like rest. That's like, you just barely, it's just falling off the side. Yep. Oh, dude, mine, mine would be one of the things I think of is, uh, and I still have some of it somewhere, is my dad's old, like, well, it's not old. It's not, it's old school to us, but it's not old school to like old school guys, I guess, like the real OGs, mm-hmm. but like the old advantage camo and the old mossy oak camo from that time that, you know, yeah. my dad probably just went to farm and fleet and bought and, you know, like all that stuff is just neat. Yeah, dude. I've still got an old like real tree 3M insulated, like, ball cap that has the ear things that flip down that's in like original real tree that I'll, I'll whip out from time to time just for nostalgic sake. Was go. it your dad's? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's cool. I still got a lot of his old stuff. I still got his old Gale Force bow. Um, I've been meaning, I my goal at some point is to restring it and get it sighted in and, and take it out to that same farm and, and try to kill something with it. But I just, I just haven't gotten around to it yet. That would be cool. Yeah. It's cool, man. I just, I, all the string measurements have been like rubbed off on accident and I can't like, yeah, I don't, I'd have to take it apart and do some stuff to figure out string measurements, but I really want to do that. I think that would be awesome. That would be cool. I'm sure we have resources here that listen, that could help you out with some of that. Yeah. That's all I need is just numbers. I can string it up. I just, I don't know like all the bus cable lengths and all that stuff. So if, yeah, if anybody uh, knows about it, I'll, I'll post the picture of the bow on the group or something, and maybe somebody can figure out the lengths for me. That'd be sweet. You should do it. Guaranteed, somebody out there knows. Guaranteed. If not, T-Bone. I can oh, guarantee yeah. T-Bone. Anything like that, he probably had one of those. He'll know. I bet yeah. you he'll know. I, I would I would bet. Someone does. All right, we'll, we'll figure it out. I'd love that. That'd be great. Okay, before we get out of here, whitetail mm-hmm. goals. Oh, man. Honestly, like... I'm probably not drawn back unless it's 140 or better this year. Somewhere in there. I, I had, I had an instance last year where one kind of ran up on me and I had a little bit of ground shrinkage 
And like afterwards, like I was like, man, he probably would have been really good this year. And like I said, I'm not like a seasoned vet. I've shot some good ones, but like I still get a little excited from time to time. But I think that was kind of the turning point for me of like, yeah, I've shot a pile of these. Like I'm, I got, I got to just be better about managing these deer on this property and not just, you know, scratching my itch. So yeah, um, I definitely think that's a good goal for me. So probably 140 or, or better for sure. I think is where I'm, I'm landing this year. Just a, a good mature deer. It doesn't have to be a giant. I just don't mm-hmm. want to shoot another three and a half year old that I thought was bigger than it was. So, right. No. Yeah. That's, I think that's great. That's a great goal. I think it's, uh, you know, you're in one, another step of the ladder. I'm trying to get into another step of the ladder. Um, yeah. But I'm also trying not to – I don't want this to sound bad, but I'm also trying not to step so high that, like, hunting becomes um, just not fun. Yeah. There's, like, a weird teeter point for sure. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, for sure, where it's like I've got deer all around me. I'm seeing tons, but it's just not that. Oh, I just need one 10 inches more, and then you're just pulling your hair out. And Yes, yeah. I'm with you 100% on that. It's almost like be up there. But also be a little minded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I feel like I'm there. And, and I don't know. It's tough. I have like really mature deer, like five and a half year old or older bucks. I was talking to Mark last week about one of them. And he's high 30s as an eight pointer. And yeah. and I'm like, man, that's the perfect deer to shoot. But my personal goals for bucks, I'm going to shoot does for meat, right? But my personal yeah. goal for my buck tag, one, enjoy the hunting but two it's like what do you do when that deer walks in depends what your goals are Uh uh-oh uh-oh oh Oh, getting a phone call we're good oh you're back okay so um i don't know that's an interesting conversation there that's a whole nother episode on its own um yeah it's it's weird because like that buck you shot last year with the big old nutsack on it like (laughs) that was a hoss of a deer yeah what he didn't go what like 120 or something like that. it's like 137 yeah like at, for me, like, yeah, I'm probably going 140, but if I see something that's like a cow with antlers, like big old brisket on them, like I'm going to let it fly for sure. Let me show you one, this one deer. I'll see if I can pull it up without uh, taking so dang long, which by the way, it's like, I just have does blowing up one of my cameras right now, which is cool for four o'clock. Just making sure I'm not a, uh... all right, give me one second here. I know it's. Hoping I didn't have to turn my uh, notifications off for mine. I was getting blown up with those right before you called. It's a great problem. It um, is. This buck was one of them deer. Like, you look at him, you're like, gosh. Hold on, my phone's lagging. This buck that, uh, oh, maybe I never saved, I might not ever save the photo. Give me a sec. All good, buddy. He's one of them deer that you look at him and you're like, you're just thicker than a snicker, aren't you? You know? Yeah. Oh, here he is. Try and zoom it so it makes sense for the video. Oh, wow. So you see how that deer is a fat boy. Yes. You know? And the camera's going off now as I'm showing you. But what do you do with that deer? And oh I, man! I have several pictures of that deer, and he's a fat boy. Is his right side like all broke off? I no, it's just uh, it's hard to see in that in the yeah. photo. He kind of he's in the timber, but he's a good eight. He's got a split uh, brow tine, 
But, you know, he's not... <clears throat> I don't know. I guess I'd have to see him in person to, like, really understand what I want to do with that. Um, but a mature like, animal. Not, yeah. It's hard. Like, those not... Those are, like, I'm on the edge bucks or... Yeah. Those are hard, man. What do you Especially, do? like, if they come in, like, all juiced up and... I don't know. It's it's definitely a game time decision, I think. But I'm gonna I'm saying I'm gonna do one thing. I hope I stick to it. My adrenaline gets pumping and something comes in and gets me excited. I don't know. We'll but see it's real life, dude. If you shoot yeah. him and you get excited, then there's a reason and you know, you're not yeah. you're not gonna regret it. You're gonna have a good time with it. Yeah. Okay. So next and final question of this conversation. Alrighty. Your number one tool that you use within deer cast the first thing you're going to the first thing you think of your favorite tool your favorite feature whatever it is oh man uh hourly uh wind direction and barometer hmm good good answer good choice yeah. definitely like i see the most fluctuate well yeah i'm gonna go with that wind wind direction and barometer for sure for me yeah for one of the farms, like I, I, I'm trying to hunt the most this fall. If the wind's not right, like I just the entry exit's just garbage. So that's the biggest one for me. That's going to decide whether I'm going to go pound around on public so I don't mess that up, or if I'm going to have decent enough wind to sneak in there. So mm -hmm. um, barometer for sure too, like in good indication of a cold front. So it's kind of goes with temperature as well. But uh, yeah, those two for sure, man. Those are the big two biggest ones I've used to be successful. Uh, yeah, for sure. That app. Yeah, I think I use that. You know, up the, up there with some of the most. And then something I'm going to pay attention to to more is we've heard Mark say in the podcast and and obviously on the show, uh, first south after a bunch of norths. Oh yeah, he did say that recently on that one, didn't he? Yeah. So I'm going to be focusing on that. You know, if we have four, I don't know how many days can. It, what's a bunch? Five days yeah. of norths, you know, or you know, three or more days and then a south wind, then I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be looking. I'm gonna pay attention to that feature um probably a lot more this season. I never thought about it before. Yeah, that's a good point. I and I'm doing uh exactly what you said for October when that does happen. I saved like a week's worth of vacation days. So if randomly there is like that situation or a random cold or random north out of a bunch of souths or anything like that, I can just put the slip in and say, see ya, I'll, I'll be back hopefully tomorrow with a buck in the truck. So, right. Um, cause I have fallen into that trap where I take, like, I still am now, but I didn't have as much vacation back then as I did, uh, currently, but I take like the first two weeks of November. And as you, you know, the last few Novembers have been 82 and hot for the first two weeks. So it's um, been yeah. flip flop October, November, like the last couple of years, uh, it seems like yeah, I've gotten so burnt, dude, like bucks I've been trying to kill come out in October, get shot. Cause I'm at work and I'm, I'll be at sea in two weeks. Hopefully you're still there. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You're watching like most recent information go down in front of you watching the cold fronts come in, yeah. you know, and cameras going off. Yeah. It sucks. So I'm not, I'm not doing that this year. We're going to, we're going to basically get two birds stoned at once doing that. So good. Good. Well, I feel good about your fall coming up. Thanks man. I appreciate it. Uh, hopefully I can uh, live up to the hype. And we'll see what happens here. Same with everybody else. Yeah, man. Well, hopefully you're, I mean, first day tagged out in Nebraska. It'd be pretty cool. But you're yes. you're hunting right now. 
in the future. Hope it's going well. We predict the, <laughs> we predict the future here on the podcast. And in the future, you're hunting right now as this airs. Man, I can't wait. Waiting all summer. I'm stoked for it. Well, hey, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Rise for Life. It's a skate shop I used to ride for back in the day. Um, so that's the, I didn't know the weird that. name. But I, yeah, it's called Rise Skate Shop. Um, but yeah, Rise for Life uh, on Instagram, Cole Jagger on Facebook. Uh, you can follow along, follow the race team, uh, Aaron McLaren, uh, IndyCar team, if you want to see what we're doing week to week with uh, the race team. Um, yeah. Just awesome. hit me up whenever. If any of you goons are in Indianapolis, uh, let me know. I could uh, give a shop tour. or uh, Almost get killed know, on a go-kart. Or take you go-karting. Almost kill you like Kurt. <laughs> so, either or. Either or. But uh, no, man, I appreciate you having me on. Of course, man. Appreciate everything you guys do with the podcast and uh, keeping everybody informed about DeerCast. And um, hopefully we can all have good falls and get some stuff on the ground. So. I actually, a lot. I got one more question. I appreciate you. I appreciate your support. Mm-hmm. What do we got to do to get a WCB logo on an Aero McLaren car? How much does oh, that cost? <laughs> Either a bunch of money, or I could try to sneak one on there without them knowing it. Well, I don't want you to lose your job. And... Oh no, that'd be fine. That'd be fine. We'll 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 see where we can work one in there. Sometimes I did. I do have one on my on my pit stop helmet. See, that's cool. Okay. Well, don't push the limit. Keep your job because they're pretty friendly to your hunting seasons. And uh, if you're going to have a kid on the way, you're going to need a job. And we don't need money. I don't want to have to hire you and not be able to afford it because I feel so guilty. <laughs> <laughs> and prov- I'll start at the bottom. I'll intern. I'll work my way. Well, there's not a lot there. Uh, but we already filled that position. So, Oh, yeah. You know? Well- there you go. But Don't if, lose your job. But if you lose your job because of one of our stickers, then I have to fire our intern and then hire you, and and then it's just a mess. <laughs> just, it's not good for anybody. Just gets messy. Okay. Well, we're race fans. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for doing this. Best of luck. Kill the mule deer, and I want you to kill that one forty or better buck. Actually, you're gonna kill one sixty or better. We'll go there. Ooh. Ooh, right back at you, toots. I'm feeling. I like you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. All right, buddy. It's good catching up. Uh, We'll see you soon. All right. Yeah. Thanks, dude. Thanks, everybody. Listening, watching, supporting DeerCast, a platform for deer hunters. Good luck this fall. It's coming in hot. You know what to do. Go shoot a giant. We love you. We'll see you next week. Peace.